Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill off goal. Look at that pass. Haydak! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and dead seas tonight again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Welcome in. Happy soccer podcast day to you. I am Bone. And I am Beam. And uh, we are a little delayed because... Well, welcome to being remotely working at a radio station. But today, yes. Beamer, we are going to do something a little bit. Uh, I don't. I think in the history of radio, no one's ever done this. It's a really nope. cool topic we came up with. The idea is, hey, since there's not a lot of soccer going on or a lot of sports going on, what if we came up with our top four players for our favorite teams? <laughs> And I, what um, I'm thinking, you know, you know what that kind of reminds me of. What does of that remind you of? Does a, it make you think of a national a monument US, of any kind? Yeah, maybe a, a landmark in the U.S. I forget what its name is, though. You'll have to help me out with that. I think there was a movie called Rushmore. Is that what it's Mount Rushmore? Mm. Mount Rushmore. That's it. Probably. Oh, a, that's what I it think is. they they made that because of a Matthew Broderick movie, I believe, is what happened. I don't know history. So <laughs> anyway. and Nick Cage. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, National Treasure, a whole deal. So, all right, we are going to do our Mount Rushmore. Again, the most hackneyed sports radio and sports blog topic known to man. Uh, we're going to do that today. But we are going to put our own little twist on it because we're not just going to do like all do the same ones because then we would have arguments about them. What we're instead going to do is uh, I'm going to do my favorite team, the Columbus Crew. Beamer's going to do his beloved Manchester United. And then were we both going to try to do the U.S. national team? Were we thinking of that? I can't remember if we actually settled on that. If not, I have my own. I don't remember. Okay. Well, I have my own U.S. national team, men's national team, guys. We can we can go through that, too. How's that sound? That sounds great. Okay. <laughs> we planned this out so well. Well, Beamer, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I will start, and of course Manchester United. And if you're new to the podcast or you haven't haven't listened before, I've I've told this story a few times. But the reason I I really got into into soccer bone was I was probably in middle school at the time. Like this was probably mm, I don't know, like 2005 or 2006. At this God, time. I feel oh, really like, old when you're saying like this. That. I feel so yeah, old the way sorry. you're saying that. Uh, but like that was, that was the time where I started to get into it. Right. And I was, I was obviously like, I played football growing up and everything, but I became really good friends with, you know, one of, one of my roommates in college eventually. And then outside of college as well, like I became really good friends, you know, with him and his buddies that, that he ran around with. And there were only like two teams that were you were able to choose from at least like in my circle of friends like I had I this was a whole new world to me I basically knew nothing uh, about the entirety of of world soccer about club soccer like you know international level like whatever I, I knew nothing about it other than you know we had a team in Ohio with the crew like that was the only other thing that I had possibly known of and so like when I was growing up there were basically you know two sides of my friends one was Arsenal and one was Manchester United like those were the only 
only two teams basically that I had ever heard of. And like three of my friends were big Arsenal guys. And then one was a Manchester United fan. So I'm like, you know what? I'm better friends with this guy who's a Manchester United fan than I am the other three who are Arsenal guys. So why don't I just start cheering for Manchester United? Like at the time, I knew nothing about them had no clue that they were considered one of the greatest teams of all time, like big history and anything like that. And so I really, really got into them because they were, you know, basically you could only watch the big clubs. Like that was it. Those, they were the only two teams that were you were able to find like on TV back in those days before the Premier League was readily available and what we have on NBC now and everything, which is amazing because you have so much more selection to choose from in the world game. So I just wanted to start off by saying yeah, like, yeah, that's that. Right. Okay. was my entry level into Manchester United. So this is where I like pick up my soccer career in in enjoying the sport was was like from that time frame to now. So my top 4 guys aren't going to be like George Best and all like Bobby Charlton and those like I those that's not my time frame. Those guys are great and I've gone back and done history of them, but I'm basically going from the time that I started watching until now. Yeah, I think it's clear, or we should point that out, that what we're talking about here is your personal, what you've watched. I I hate it, and I know we do it sometimes in sports because we feel like we are obligated to, but I hate it when you're talking about basketball and you're saying, all right, name the top big men in basketball, and people are like, well, I got to tell you, George Mikan. Let me just go back. And it's like, you never watched yeah. George Mikan. Like, you weren't alive <laughs> well, 30 still. years after he played. Right. Like, you you didn't get to see some of these guys play. Now, we know their stats. We know Wilt Chamberlain was good. We know some of these other players. You mentioned George Best. Like, obviously, they're great players. But I think it is fair to just put together your list the way you would do it based off who you've watched. And I don't know. Soccer, as much as any sport, I think the artistry involved, it, it can speak to you in a way that not that football can't speak to you or the basketball or hockey or baseball, but there is some level of artistry where certain players, you can't even necessarily quantify it with stats. There's just, there's things you watch and you say, mm, that player plays the game beautifully. And that's, that's why you love them. You fall in love with these players. Sometimes I think more than any other sports. So yes, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable what you're doing. Go ahead. So I'm going to start off by saying that, like, because I, I can't really rank these guys within the top four of it, like one, two, three, and four, but just the four, you know, greatest players in my mind uh, to ever ever don uh, the red shirt for Manchester United. I'm going to start off with one of the guys who I loved their game the most maybe out of anyone I've ever seen on a world level, and that guy is Paul Scholes. So Scholesy, Manchester United legend, what he was for how long he did it, you know, he was – I mean, you talk about an innovator, you talk about a bully engine, like all of all of those things really encapsulating what Paul Scholes is, what Paul Scholes was uh, during his time at Manchester United. And, you know, he's, he's one of the most well-respected club legends of all time. And really, like, when I, when I started to get into it, Bone, like, you know, you, you get attracted to the glitz and the glams and the strikers. And I remember, like, Louis Saha was, like, my favorite player for Manchester United when I started watching because I'm like, oh, that guy's, you know, scoring goals left and right. And then I realized, like, oh, that's because most of them are coming from this guy named Paul Scholes. So, uh, Scholesy for me and, and what he was – 
uh, for Manchester United has got to be on the list. And then for my second guy, I'm going to run with his little running mate and who could widely be considered possibly the greatest Manchester United player of all time, depending on what standard you hold that to, uh, Ryan Giggs and what he accomplished playing uh, for United. Like, if you look up just what he did in his time, man, I mean, 13 league titles, four FA Cups, two Champions Leagues, and I, I was just looking at the stats that that he had, Bone, um, in his career appearances for Manchester United. Like, can you take a guess? Because I know that we didn't do this beforehand. Can you take a guess at what Ryan Giggs' career appearances for Manchester United were? I'm trying to think. I mean, if you're figuring, what do you what do you play? 38 games in a Premier League season. So if you you know, 10 years would be 380. Uh, so I'll say I'll say yeah, three fifty. Six hundred and seventy-two <laughs> appearances for Manchester United. He played from nineteen ninety yeah. to twenty fourteen. Yeah, good lord, that's amazing. Twenty-four year career, man. Uh, in what he was, one hundred and fourteen goals for United. But when he was on the left hand side, and when he was kind of in his heyday. Man, was he one of the the best in the world? Just when I came in from you know like oh five oh six until where he was, you could still tell that he was one of the best players. And I didn't even watch him from you know like ninety two on ninety two to oh five. Like really, when he was he was still doing it. To, but to be on the peak of your career for that long, man, like that to me is just one of the most impressive things in the entire world. So my first two, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, that's what I'm working with. Yeah, I think those are uh, – I don't disagree with either of those so far. For the time frame that you were talking about, I mean, certainly I don't think you're going to have a lot of argument there. No, and so my third guy uh, is a guy who – I mean, is obviously a club legend at Manchester United and is one of the greatest players of all time and really you know, kind of got his big break – not kind of got his big, big break, really did uh, make a name for himself. A guy by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo – and when he played for Manchester United, he was he was unbelievable. Like everybody wanted to be Cristiano Ronaldo. You talk about you know the icons. You talk about like David Beckham and Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Like these playboy divas who like in, embody the game of soccer and like what it means on a global scale and icons. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, started that at Manchester United. Like started to to make that come up there, and obviously turned in to what he was at Real Madrid and now uh, doing what he's doing for Juventus. But, I mean, Pony, you talk about 196 appearances for Ronaldo uh, over six years, 84 goals uh, for Manchester United. It's he's, he's, he's To me, he's the greatest player of all time. And so even though it wasn't a long run at Manchester United, he will still be one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he scored 42 goals. 42 yeah. goals in a season. Yeah. It's uh, It's really – Really unbelievable. So Ronaldo, to me, it's a no-brainer to put him on there. I know there are people who like to have that debate, and, and we won't bog it down with that, that same old tired. Is it Messi or Ronaldo for you? But, you know, I think, I think the case that you make for him is strong, and I do think in watching him play, for me, like Lionel Messi is just ridiculous with what he does with the soccer ball at his feet. But Cristiano Ronaldo is perhaps the best pure striker I've ever seen period. And as much as the whole beautiful game thing I was just talking about where players inspire you, the guy is just an assassin. And and yeah, so I don't I don't disagree with you. I think he's 
going to go down as one, if not the greatest player of all time, top two or three ever. And uh, yeah, he certainly deserves it. But yeah, I don't, I don't agree, disagree with putting him on the list, even though he doesn't have the longest career there that some other guys might. Yeah, and then my last one who is going to be he, – he's my favorite player of all time. I, I loved this guy uh, when he was in his heyday, and it's not going to come to a shock to you if you've listened to this podcast at all. Uh, the last guy on the Mount Rushmore of Manchester United for players for me has got to be Wayne Rooney. I mean, you talk about a kid coming over from Everton at the age of, what, 17 or 18, a big-time transfer fee, and we know how those work out. Sometimes they work out great, sometimes they don't. But you're talking about a, a team with as much history of Manchester United and the trophies that they had won uh, in all of the history that they had they'd been around, they had basically done everything. And for Wayne Rooney to come over from Everton as a young young kid and then to build his legacy enough where he actually beat Sir Bobby Charlton's scoring record. He now holds that with a club record of 253 goals over his time. You know, to me, like even so when Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney were paired together as, as a strike force and then, you know, for a couple of years when they added Carlos Tevez, it was, it was some of the, the best soccer you could possibly watch. Like, I don't know if you can replicate, you know, what those Manchester United teams were uh, when they had that much firepower bone. But, you know, when they were running together, man, and they were they were just doing their thing and they were they were giving the ball to each other uh, and really playing off each other. It was it was one of the most fun times I've had as a soccer fan, because you look at, like, fire and ice, right? Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney, like, they couldn't be more different of people. They couldn't look different. Their games couldn't be any different. But somehow, some way, it was able to work. So my favorite guy of all time for United is Wayne Rooney, and he has had a lot of drama surround him, you know, in his entire life, and he's been under a microscope for so long. Uh, but what he was for United – uh, man, he was just is uh, the special one, and he's uh, he'll forever be my guy. Yeah, I can understand that too. And I will say, even in, like when he came over to MLS and played for uh, DC United, he had one of the greatest plays I've ever seen on a soccer field, which was yeah, it was tracking unreal. down tracking down a ball, you know, at midfield that was basically there's one guy with the ball, and if he doesn't stop it. The goalkeeper had come down for DC United to try to end up winning this game. It had gone down in the box. So Rooney was the last guy back, and he not only wins the ball cleanly, but keeps it on his foot and then takes maybe a touch or two and sends it 60 yards, 70 yards across the other way, and it gets headed in for the game winner. And it just was, yeah, phenomenal play by him. So, yeah, he's he's obviously a legend. And, and you know, the the goal, I need to actually switch up the intro, maybe now that we have all this free time. I'll do that because I, I it was like when we when we put the show together, I was just looking for great soccer calls to throw into the intro. And I am such a fan of that, you know, Manchester City winning the title in the last minute call. I'm a fan of the call where they had the split screen up with United and City and just that that, you know, sure, you know, Aguera, I swear you'll never say anything like this. Thank again. you, Bone. Right. I. I did this, and I didn't actually at the time think of it in the in the from the standpoint of, oh yeah, that's one of Beamer's worst moments probably. So I need to change okay. that because I put one of my favorite moments in there, which was Frankie Haydick, you know, getting the goal for Columbus in MLS Cup that kind of sealed it all up. So I need to change that actually. And the the Rooney bicycle against City, I don't know what the call sounds like. I'd have to go back and listen to it, but I need to change it to that for you. Because I know he's your guy, and I know that that's uh, 
That's something that probably should be in the intro instead of a goal that rips your heart out every time it plays. That's all right, and I'll just I'll live with my Manchester United legends list and what I'm at. Actually, I had a uh, you have I, an honorable I have mention a or little, a, a... well, I mean honorable mention for non-players, of course, who would be on the Mount Rushmore would be Sir Alec Ferguson and you know what he is and everything you know for Manchester United. But that's a whole different yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I was actually looking on the wiki page for Ryan Giggs and his appearances, so that was like competitive appearances yeah. and everything, I guess. But on the actual Manchester United page. Ryan Giggs had 963 appearances and 168 Jeez. goals over 24 years. Good so almost Lord. a thousand games for Manchester United. Let that sink in that uh, is, for a little bit. It's just uh, it's, it's really really remarkable. Think about playing a thousand, nearly a thousand professional games at any level of any sport. You know what I mean? Like in soccer, you can even look at the lowest levels and say, well, yeah, if someone plays a triple A or double A player amasses a thousand baseball games, you know, that's, that's going to take him nine or 10 years. Right. That's a career, man. That's a long career for anyone to do it with Manchester United. You're right. It's, it's at the highest level for the biggest club, one of in the, in the world. Yeah, that's, that is quite a thing. So very good list by you. Um, I will start off with my crew list. I think this one's going to be fairly obvious, and I will leave you with the guys that I left off of the list first. How about that? Because I wrestled with this. Um, but a guy that did not make the list that you could argue should have, I had Federico Iguain just missing it. I had a guy in Mike Clark who is or was one of the like all-time leaders for appearances for the crew for many, many years. Uh, I had him on this list as barely out. And then I put uh, Robert Varzija, the player, but also, I mean, he was, you know, he coached the team. They had some success while he was a coach too, even though his tenure ended kind of in a bad way with the fans. I thought about putting him on the Mount Rushmore, but they all didn't make the cut. And I'm with you that Siggy Schmid, I didn't put a coach on here, but of course, if I would have, Siggy would have been the guy. Um, here are my top four for the Columbus crew. Brian McBride should come as no shock, right? Brian McBride was the first pick. Well, he was the first pick in MLS history. The crew got the first pick in MLS history. They were the first team in MLS history. And then he is the guy who was the face of this team and really the face of pro sports in Columbus up until Rick Nash came in and the Jackets started getting some momentum. Then you had two guys that kind of both were seen quite favorably thought of, uh, but Brian McBride, and I know you're a little too young to remember this Beamer and, and this is something that if you were in Columbus in the like late nineties, early two thousands, he was on the, he, every, I mean, they, they put him on television on all the local newscasts. He was the guy doing interviews and obviously he backed it up with his play. But when he left to go to Fulham, it was such big news that it was the lead story on all the local newscasts. It was the lead yeah. on the front page of the paper you know, again, the crew were not even <laughs> what they are happen. now. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's that's how much of an impact he had. I mean, he he was like at the height of his popularity here, like a like a Jack Hanna, you know, just a symbol of Columbus to a lot of people. But never mind what he actually did on the field, which was score some amazing goals. Uh, he is also in the top five in almost every category: goals, assists, appearances for the crew. Uh, you know, so Brian McBride, no doubt, and, and his national team you know, qualifications, the guy was one of the reasons that people were aware of the Columbus crew internationally. He was the first person really to put the crew on the map. 
because whenever he was in a World Cup game, it's like, where's this guy play? 2002 World Cup, scoring right. big goals, scoring against <laughs> Portugal. Where does he play? Oh, he plays for Columbus. I mean, Columbus. It was such a cool thing. So, yeah, Brian McBride will always have a place in my heart, even though, you know, the, the time with the fire at the end, you know, it was not uh, – he was listed as a traitor and all that, but he will always have a special place in our hearts for most <laughs> black and gold fans. Uh, Guillermo Barros-Scoloto, also a no-brainer here. Guy was a league MVP. He was MLS Cup MVP. He's the best player on the best team the crew have ever had. So what more do I need to say? It's if fairly, you... fairly simple, and you <laughs> love him. Yeah, I do, and I, I hope that I hope that more people are able to, if you're coming to the crew in the last couple of years, I hope more people are able to like go watch him. If you just have seen highlights, I really hope the crew start making more of their old games available where you could just watch this guy work for, because it's, I mean, you can see the highlights. He did some amazing things, but watching this guy play for a whole 90 minutes was just, it was fun. He was great. The other two guys are also going to be from that uh, 2008 era, although they have ties to the crew from before and after. Uh, Chad Marshall, to me, should be – they should name Defender of the Year after Chad Marshall because he's that good of a player in MLS. Um, I don't know why the U.S. national team didn't use him more, but one of my favorite players to watch of all time. Chad Marshall had a great career with Seattle. He had a great career with Columbus. Dude was a stud. Scored some humongous – scored, I mean, scored the game-winning goal in MLS Cup. Right. I mean, that technically is the game winner. He, he scored the second goal that made it two to one. And that ultimately was the dis- the difference. So uh, his goal against Brian McBride, of course, also pretty iconic in the conference finals. And then Frankie Haydick is my fourth. Never seen a work rate like that from really anyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the guy, again, I wish the crew didn't make him into such the, the previous ownership prior to the new ownership we have. I wish they hadn't turned him into a mascot where it was almost like, hey, there's a there's an appearance. We're going to have a game, like a watch party. Let's send Frankie Haydick out there. You know, it almost felt like at times they diminished what he was, even though he was game to do it and he's a, he's a great guy for going and doing that stuff. Uh, Frankie is just one of the best pure soccer players you'll ever watch. And again, I, I hope more of their old games are able to be watched online, not just highlights. So you can see, again, watch this guy lock people down. On, on the right side. Watch him make a billion runs and, and never get tired. I mean, he was just a work rate like we've never seen. So those are my top four. Um, I could do where real did, quick. Hey, can I, can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Where, where, did, uh, where did Iguain line up on the list? Was there consideration of, of him getting in? First out. He would be, uh, he would be number five. If, if we were doing... Like, they always say there was supposed to be a fifth person on Mount Rushmore. I forget who it was. But he would be the yep. – he was the one we didn't get time to finish the carving of, and we just wrapped it up. <laughs> but, yeah, he would have we been – ran it, out him, of – ran out of limestone. Yeah, uh, him or Siggy would have been on there. But I elected to just go players. But, obviously, Siggy Schmidt's in the ring of honor. So, so are McBride and uh, Frankie. And I believe the other two I put on my Mount Rushmore will be in the ring of honor – eventually because they meet all the qualifications so that'll happen in time uh real quick i'll give you my u.s men's national team uh mount rushmore if you'd like it so yes i i uh i put tim howard on there i don't think that needs to be explained greatest goalkeeper u.s men's national team's ever had arguably the best one of, i mean one of the best players u.s has ever produced had one of the longest careers in europe won a ton of big games that Belgium also, game. one of the best World Cup game you'll ever see, and yeah, exactly. In that Belgium game, 
it will go down as one of the greatest goalkeeping performances of all time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, uh, yeah, so Tim Howard, for plenty of great reasons, he's on this list. Clint Dempsey, I put on here, obviously Deuce was one of, the, one of the best players we've ever had in the U.S. national team. But also the fact he that also he also is a rapper <laughs> from Nacogdoches, Texas. Of course he was. Yeah, <laughs> he had that rap game locked down. But, you know, long career over in Europe, playing for Fulham. And I, I feel like really raised the profile where, you know, Donovan went over and had his moments. Donovan could have played there, and we'll get to Landon Donovan. Go figure. He's on this list too. But Donovan could have played over in Europe and didn't. Chose to just stay in MLS for most of his career other than a few loan spells. Clint Dempsey went over there and bossed in that league for a little bit and showed everyone that, yeah, it's not just like, hey, here's an American guy who's able to hang. It's like, here's a guy who can actually be really good in this league, um, building on what guys like McBride did when they went over there. So, yeah, I, I think uh, obviously his national team career stands out. His performances against Mexico, like, yeah, Clint Dempsey's there. I mentioned Landon Donovan. That should be no shock. People, of course, were kind of divided on him throughout his playing career as far as his personality, but hands down the best, I think, pure attacking talent that the U.S. national team has ever had. Uh, and then finally, uh, this guy has a special place in my heart, man, Claudio Reyna. I encourage everyone. So you tweeting about him last night. I don't know if you got to watch that little clip, man, but that is from the, the game they lost in Germany, or not in Germany, they lost to Germany in South Korea. Um, and they, that game, he played one of the best games I've ever seen. And I thought, okay, maybe I misremembered this. I went back and watched it, and I'm like, nope. Wasn't wrong. He, he was still, I mean, just he was <laughs> he was the midfield connector that, you know, every every soccer fan who actually starts to get into the game. Those are the guys that I think that's what the next level of soccer understanding where you watch it and go, oh, man, he is just springing guys left and right. He's bailing guys out of bad positions. He's moving the ball 10 feet and then putting it in the foot of someone else. He, he's just keeping everything going in such a way. But. Yeah, he's widely regarded as perhaps the best overall player that the U.S. national team has produced, just from a pure soccer solid standpoint. That can be argued, that can be debated, but um, he played in three World Cups for the U.S. men's national team and was on the 94 World Cup team, but had an injury that per prohibited him from playing, but played in the 98 World Cup, which was a huge disappointment, played in the 2002 World Cup, which was not a disappointment, played in the 2006 World Cup. So, I mean, the guy was a legend. So, and now his son is going to be a legend. And we hope, uh, I hope to add Pulisic to this list. I hope to add Gio Reyna to this list, but yeah, there you go. That's my uh, men's national team. I will say very quickly off the top of my head, if I had to do a women's national team, uh, Mount Rushmore. Oh, that's a good one. I would, well, I'll tell you who would be on there for sure. I would throw Carly Lloyd on there and Abby Wambach. First and second, I would put them on. Um, I would probably have to go back a little bit in history, but are you aware of the career of Christine Lilly for the U.S. national team? I know the name. I'm not very so, uh, not very familiar with the career. No. How many appearances she had? Uh, she has the most appearances for caps with the U.S. women's national team. You want to take a stab at how many she has? Now we're talking national team appearances. Twenty. You're pretty close. Three fifty-four with 130 Woo! goals and 106 assists. So top Damn. three totals in assists, goals, 
Christine Lilly should be on that list of a Mount Rushmore. And then the other two I think you'd have to consider, and I don't know which way I would go with it. I'd probably go with Mia Hamm as the fourth. Yeah. Mia Hamm, but but Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers both were on the ninety you know, the ninety nine team. They were big parts of all that. So but I think I would go with Mia Hamm just because Michelle Akers was really good too and deserves to be on there. But Mia Hamm was, I think, the first women's pro athlete, well, women's soccer for sure, to really break through to the mainstream. So I would say those are my top four. If I yeah, when I was growing up, I mean, Mia Hamm was literally every everyone's idol. Yeah, yeah, she was. I mean, t- how many little girls, how many girls on the national team now got into it because of Mia Hamm? I mean, sure, like, a lot, you, a lot. You could argue the most dominant era of women's soccer that the U.S. has ever produced, which is the one we're currently living in, is all because of the Michelle Akers and the Mia Hams of the world. Like it, it, Christine Lilly, too, like that, that era produced this era. And I think a lot of the girls who are playing now have owe a lot of it to them. So, God, and what is this era going to produce then in about 15 <sighs> years? Right? God, that's scary to think right. about. Right. I mean, we're still like, <laughs> yeah, that is scary to think, which is why I can't wait to get soccer back because I want to watch. I wanted to watch the Olympics this year I, for the men and women. I wanted to watch uh, so many. I wanted to take the, my girls on the road to go watch like a pro game. Like a women's program up in Chicago. It's sad, Bone. Yeah. I, I mean, we've got the Columbus Eagles here, too, but obviously they're not in the same league as that. But, yeah, I, I w- yeah, we'll get it back soon. So, anyway, I hope you all have enjoyed this kind of diversion. I hope you uh, don't think it was too cliched. Beamer, you have anything else you want to leave the people with before we get out of here? Nope. I'm just going to go for a walk today, maybe for about, I don't know, two hours, just to try and kill time before I go to bed. All right. Well, you do that, and uh, – don't forget any obligations you have. If there's anything you have left to do, I'd hope you'd get that done. Maybe <laughs> set yourself a reminder. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all at some point in the future. Stay safe, and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Bone and Beam United. 